0: two minutes to play. With the left hand and authority! McKee gets it in the middle for the win! It's not! Foul's hits the second! One of the greatest clutch playoff performers of his generation has apparently done it again. Yeah! Mother chicken for still sure. All the day! Mother chicken!
1: This is your boy, Michael Fachi coming at you. Uh, in 2020, the Indiana Pacers just beat the Philadelphia 76ers at home to end 2019. They were wearing the City Edition jerseys. They were winners of a 115-97. I'm not going to call it a battle because Joel Embiid was not playing, but this was a game that you really wanted to see the Pacers continue to compete with the Eastern Conference teams. Now, I know MB did not play the game, but the Sixers looked lifeless. This was a game that the Pacers were up one after one quarter, but uh, pretty much after that, that's when things went all Indiana's way. Uh, shortly after, you know, about eight minutes into the game, Malcolm Brogdon goes down. He had the hamstring injury before, but it was actually his back. It's typically a, a correlated injury, and we hope that uh, Brogdon will be back soon, but I think it's important the Pacers rest him moving forward now it was actually in the second quarter uh nursing that one point lead that i mentioned the pacers went to their lineup of tj mcconnell aaron holiday justin holiday doug mcdermott and Demontis sabonis and just ripped the roof off of that game scoring 13 consecutive points and stretching that lead to an eventual 26 points before halftime so this was a game that you really saw just a balanced effort from the Pacers. They got everything they wanted. I mean, you're talking about, uh, I believe it was seven seven players in double figures. TJ McConnell with his first double-double as a Pacer against the Philadelphia 76ers. You know I love a good revenge game. Uh, this was a Pacers team that shot near 50% from the field. But it was the 35 assists on 42 made field goals. That was just tremendous. 35 assists, tied a season high. I mean, the percentage uh, from assists per made field goal is just ridiculous. But another stat that I wanted to point out, only six turnovers in the whole game. I've preached all season. If you don't turn the ball over, you win the rebounding battle, you're going to be very successful. Six turnovers, fantastic job by the Pacers. There's actually Sabonis that had three of them, so outside of him, I mean, just an unbelievable effort. Uh, by the team, but we're not going to knock Sabonis because he still gave us 23 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists on a very efficient 10 of 16 from the field. T.J. Warren, my man T.J. Buckets, started the game 9 for 9. He actually finished 9 of 11, but 21 points, I mean, he was huge for the Pacers to get to that big lead. You know, you had Miles Turner at 14 and 5, Jeremy Lamb got back in double figures, 13 and 6, but... Shout out to Aaron Holiday. Aaron Holiday, while he didn't have a great scoring day, he was everywhere. I mean, you're talking about seven assists on the game, five rebounds. At one point, he had a plus minus of plus 32 as this game ballooned to a 36-point lead for the Pacers at one point. So I thought this was a game that, you know, it was such a blowout that the score is not going to reflect it. The 115-97 to 97 game. That's not how this game was. This was a blowout. And I find it hard to believe that Joel Embiid was worth, you know, 18 to, to 36 points. You know, the box score will say it was the 18-point deficit, but the 36 points deficit that the Sixers faced at one point, there's no way Embiid's going to make up for all of that. So I thought it was just an awesome job by the Pacers to polish off another winning team in the NBA, uh, earlier in the season, we were saying, "Has this team really beat anybody?" Now the Pacers have a nine and six record against teams that are above five hundred guys. That's the second best record in the NBA, behind just the Bucks, who have the best record in the NBA. So you got to be pretty impressed by that. And just to top it off, a nice stat that my co-host Alex Golden shared. That fortunately, Alex isn't available today uh, due to the holidays. He put up a, a tweet that showed that when the Pacers ended this past decade going 278 and 127 at home, that's the best winning percentage in the Eastern Conference over that span. So you can just tell how vital home court advantage is for this Pacers team come playoff time. Now they're on pace for 53 wins right now, all of which without Oladipo. Seems like we might be looking at about another full month. Maybe close to 30 days, It today's January 1st, I'd say safe bet is February return for Oladipo. That's what they're they're tossing around over there. Um, so it's it just, to be able to beat the 76ers, they were a team that had our number. They won the last two uh, hard-fought game earlier in the year when they had Embiid, and Embiid is someone who has pretty much had Miles Turner's number, not just Miles Turner, but he's had the Pacers' number. I mean, Embiid is the guy that the Pacers have to stop in order to be able to take that next step. I thought, you know, looking at the 76ers in that game, Al Horford looked his age. I felt like Horford was someone who looks like, you know, he's going to have some good games, he's going to have some bad games, and that was a night that's a forgettable performance by Horford, just 2 of 12 from the field. I thought the Pacers forced the 76ers into uh, some tough shots, and on the other end of the field... Uh, found each other in open space, being able to get the Pacers good looks. T.J. McConnell and Aaron Holiday combined for 17 of those 35 assists. So when the ball movement's on point, you're going to be a much better team. And I think that's that's what the Pacers looked like. Bouncing back from a two-game losing streak to the Pelicans, who are randomly playing well. And the Miami Heat, that was a hard-fought game that was... That was a shame to drop. Oh, man, that was a tough one. But, hey, we're on to better things. This is 2020. We're going to leave that stuff in 2019. So just a few more notes covering that 76ers game. If ben Simmons, while well, the box score is going to show that, you know, he had a pretty good game of 18-10. and 10. Guys, this game was long over before Ben Simmons had really done anything. I thought one thing that was nice to see, Kylo Quint. Kyle Quinn had one of the better games for the 76ers, just four points, but 10 rebounds, five assists. Most of that came in garbage time, but always got a soft spot for a, a former Pacer. And how good did those Pacers look in their new City Edition jerseys? Looked very fresh out there and even better anytime you can pick up a W. So this was a game that was it was over by halftime. 67-43, to 43, Pacers took care of business to close out the decade, and 2019. Um, Like I mentioned before, TJ McConnell with the double-double. I mean, that's got to be just awesome. Sixers fans had respect for McConnell, and it was also fun to see them boo Malcolm Brogdon, who received the Rookie of the Year award over Joel Embiid, which I believe that year he played like 31 games, so it's not like he deserved that award. Brogdon did deserve that award, and I think it's time that the Pacers... I uh, really think about sitting Brogdon for a bit to get him healthy because he means so much to this team that it's it's just so much more important to have him 110%, or at least 100%, rather than saying he's 100%. when, Meanwhile, he might be about 80%. Ironically, the Pacers are now 5-3 and three in games that Brogdon has missed or exited if you count the Rockets game and this game, but we're not going to act like this team is by any means better without Malcolm Brogdon, that is for sure. Not the case, but hey, 22 and 12 to end the 2019 calendar year and go into January, you got to be happy with this. So I think uh, to, to close out 2019 could have done it in a better way. And on to our next opponent, the Denver Nuggets who we will be covering, or when I say we, you used to say Alex and I, it's just me today as we know, So I will be covering the preview against the Denver Nuggets coming up next. Hello, oh, this is a big win once again from Turner Squad. That is a big win tonight. Despite the fact that they didn't have Joel beat, but it is what it is. We pounded them and pounded them consistently to where they didn't have even have a chance to come back. That's what you call a consistent W. So uh, uh that was a big win. Happy New Year 2, guys, and to all the Pacers fans. That's a big lyric. We're trying to block. O-U-T. What up, everybody? Mike Focci here. And if you haven't already checked it out, go to PacersTalk.net for the latest coverage on all Pacer news. We have game recaps, game previews, and everything you can imagine. Let's go, Pacers. All right, everybody. Your boy Mike Focci is back, and I am here to preview the upcoming game against the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets come into Indiana boasting a 23 and 10 record, second best in the West by wins. They have a they have a top five record in the league right now. Uh, it looks like Malcolm Brogdon is going to probably miss the game. Safe bet, he's out. Gary Harris is questionable. That would be a big loss for uh, the Nuggets if Gary Harris does not play. He's been a really good two-way player this year. Um, Now, the Denver Nuggets. What do you need to know? Well, they're giving up the second-fewest points per game in the NBA. Uh, Just a hair under 104 points per game. Uh, Second behind only the Boston Celtics. Now, offensively, 21st in the league in scoring. Just over 108 points per game. It's not going to scare you. Rebounds per game, very middle of the pack, just over 45 rebounds per game. That sits at 18th in the NBA, but assists per game at 26.5. They're fourth in the NBA. Jokic is obviously super talented. He's like a wizard and probably the best passing big man in the league. You also have Jamal Murray, an up and coming player who's. Very much paid now, but he's going to be good, and he is good right now. I could see him making a future All-Star game. Um, I touched on the points allowed per game. That's really their, their bread and butter. Now, the Pacers and the Nuggets, you could call me crazy, but I feel like these teams are similar. Similar in record, but also similar in you're getting a balanced effort. Yes, Jokic is their guy, but they have... You know, let's see, I think it's about maybe it's six guys on their team that average in double figures. Very similar to the Pacers. Their leading scorer, Jokic, is at just over 18 points per game, just under 10 rebounds per game. I feel like that's similar to a, you know, DeMontis Sabonis. Sabonis is right around 17 points per game, 13.3 rebounds per game. He's averaging about four assists per game. Jokic's more. He's at 6.7 assists per game. Like I said, probably the best... Big, uh passing, big man in the NBA. Uh, and I just feel like they're a balanced defensive first team. I feel like that is the Indiana Pacers. Now they're coming into this game. They've won 9 of 11. Very impressive. They're two losses to the Pelicans and the Rockets. Ironically, two teams that the Pacers lost to as well. However, despite having that top five record in the NBA that I mentioned, guys... The Nuggets haven't beat a team with a winning record dating back to November twenty second against the Boston Celtics. A ninety-six to ninety-two thriller, if that's what you want to call it, more like nineteen nineties NBA style basketball. My favorite era, by the way. Uh a game in which Gordon Hayward didn't even play. So you're talking about your last win against a team above five hundred was well over a month ago against a team that was lacking one of their better players? I'm not impressed by that. Ah, there's a lot of things that impress me in the NBA, but this is not one of them. The Denver Nuggets, I feel like, are not as good as they were last year. Last year, they were a really good team. They had the best record in the NBA for a while, best record in the West. But I feel like they're pretty much the Pacers. And Guys, I know is not going to be there, and Brogdon probably won't, which is, that is rough. But I felt like even if Brogdon was just playing this game alone without Oladipo, I feel like the Pacers win this game. And I'm not going to rule them out winning against Denver because this isn't Indiana. Uh, I feel like the Pacers are, you know, I think that win against the Sixers was what you needed to get back on track. Some similarities between the teams. I was digging up a, a few stats. You know, me always grab the shovel and see what I could find. Both teams are essentially bottom five in three-point makes and attempts per game. So they're going to be playing a similar style game, I believe. But also basically bottom three in the NBA in free throws attempted and made per game. So you're talking about what's maybe the Nuggets' weakness is also the Pacers' weakness. So it's not like we need to be a different team in this game. Pacers need to play their style of ball and they'll be just fine. Both teams are also top five in the league in fewest turnovers per game and top ten in assists per game. So you're almost looking in the mirror here at two very similar teams. So, what do you get? What do you have to do in order to win this game? Well, Jokic, I mean, you can't have him just go off. I know that's say, guys, that's the easiest thing to say right over here. But the Pacers are going to have to be able to limit his playmaking. I, I think that this Jokic is not as strong as last year's Jokic. Um, I think Gary Harris, that's going to be someone who you don't want to have him go off in this game because. Like I mentioned before, better two-way player, good one. But he's only averaging 11 points per game. So it's important to keep the guys like a Paul Millsap down. Paul Millsap's plus-minus, one on the court, is ridiculous. It's actually one of the better in the league. But Paul Millsap, it's never going to show up in a box score. He's averaging 12 points, 6 rebounds. It's It doesn't seem like much. But the Nuggets are one of the better offensive rebounding teams in the league. So don't give them second chances right now. Uh I think Paul Millsap, another thing that I mentioned before, while he's not going to blow you away, he's also ranked 4th in the NBA in 3 point percentage. So it's just about having a guy like a, a Millsap or a Gary Harris. You can't have them go off. Because Jamal Murray, super talented player, he might be able to get his. Let's be honest, he's a 6-4 point guard. Brogdon, you would love to have him in this game. Brogdon about 6-5. I felt like that would have been a really good matchup. Aaron Holiday and TJ McConnell, we both know size isn't necessarily on their side. It's two of the smaller point guards, obviously, that, that the Pacers have. That goes without saying. But Jokic, you feel like he's probably going to be able to get his, hopefully not. I would love to see Sabonis on, on that. That matchup of Sabonis and Jokic, I feel like it's just going to be a really, really exciting matchup. I think this is a game that Miles Turner could be able to get back on schedule. I really do because uh, you know Jokic. That's not going to be a good defender right there. I, I do think I see Jokic and Sabonis more matching up, but Miles Turner is the one where I feel like we can really get. Not I'm not saying getting him back on track. I'm saying I think that he could have a good game because he's been on track lately. Miles Turner has given you far more production than earlier in the year. Uh, he actually ended December playing much better. Uh, His numbers were up across the board. He was more at about 45% from the field compared to 40% in November. And uh, we saw the scoring was up a bit. It was at more around 12 points per game than than compared to 10. So he he boosted his numbers a little bit. Uh, I think that the blocks were down, but I'm not worried about that at all because we've seen Miles Turner just rip off some really good performances. I mean, he's been scoring in double figures pretty much every game. I think he was in double figures one out, uh, not in double figures one out of the last ten. So I think that that's going to be a key matchup. If he has that going down, if his shots falling, then we're Pacers should be in good hands here. Still three of five from three the other night. Um, the loss of Brogdon, I mentioned before. Take a seat for now. I think that it's more important to get him healthy if we can have him sit out maybe a week. Give it a week, a full week. I think that the Pacers will be able to reap the benefits as we still wait for Oladipo to return. There's not a single complaint I have right now about what we're seeing out there. Uh, I think that this is going to be a matchup, that this would be a very, very big win against a top Western Conference team. Obviously, we saw the Pacers take down the Lakers, that was a strong win. If you could take down the Nuggets also, I, I already feel like everyone's noticing, but this would be a win that says, hey, we could do it against both conferences. While the Pacers haven't beat the Bucks yet, beating the Celtics, beating the Lakers, beating the Sixers, you know, that losing to Miami by just, I think it was one point the other night, that was a game where if the Pacers can come up with that rebound at the end of the game, they close that out. So, right now, if Aaron Holiday has to fill in for Malcolm Brogdon. If Holiday, Aaron Holiday, that is, and TJ McConnell have to pick up the load for Brogdon for a little bit, I think we're going to be fine. Because when you look at what Aaron Holiday has been delivering lately against the Pelicans, the team played a sluggish and awful second half that, like I said, we're going to leave in 2019. But Aaron Holiday had maybe his best game, not his best game, but career high scoring wise, 25 points from the field, uh, 17 points against Miami, and nine assists. I mean, he was definitely not the problem in that one-point loss. So he's been delivering lately. And even the one game where his scoring wasn't there, five points against Philly, the seven assists and five rebounds, the two blocks, that's everything you need right there. So balanced effort. Now, the last time we saw this Nuggets team, the Pacers got such a much-needed game in April. I remember the team was not looking that great as they were kind of limping into the playoffs. But the Pacers... Took the nuggets. You're not really known to to throw nuggets on the grill, but they cooked these nuggets. It was 124 to one two well sorry guys. 124 to 88. Boyan had 35 through three quarters. I remember it looked like he was gonna score fifty that night before they didn't play him in the fourth. And guys, this is basically that same exact nuggets team. Uh, but this is not the same Pacers team. I think this Pacers team is clicking. I think they're more athletic. I think they have more of a scoring punch this year. Uh, so I really like what I'm seeing. And I'm not going to say that it's going to be a 124-88 to 88 game. But I feel like the Pacers can come out and handle business again and start 2020 off like they closed out 2019 with a W. Now, lately, the Pacers got crushed on the rebounds against Miami. All right, 56 to 56-34. I felt like they did a poor second half against the Pelicans, where they did also get out-rebounded. But even against Philly, you got out-rebounded. I know it's a little bit different. Our shots were falling, shot nearly 50%. Philly had a bunch of offensive rebounds on there. But you picked up the road win, and that's what really matters most. So I feel like as the Pacers move on to take on the Nuggets, I'm feeling pretty good about you know where this team is, is going moving forward. I feel like for the most part, they're outside of Brogdon. They're getting healthy. You know, we saw that what looked like if Sabonis was going to have a little bit of a toe injury. It doesn't seem to be an issue at all. I feel like right now this team knows that Oladipo is about a month away, so it feels like there's that light at the end of the tunnel fully clicking. I know light at the end of the tunnel sounds a bit drastic when you have you're sitting in the fifth spot in the East, but Look at this, guys. After that Denver game, we play Atlanta, Charlotte, then there's Miami, then there's Chicago. All right, so you're talking about a bunch of winnable games. Uh, Miami, you're going to be home in this game. So I feel like this is a really good opportunity. Miami right now is the best home team in the NBA. So to lose by one in that game against Miami where you didn't have Brogdon, I I felt like this was, was a pretty good sign that this team's going to be all right. A soft schedule coming up. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole, you know, all of January, but just know that January is a much softer schedule than how it's going to be looking moving on. Because February, obviously, you play Toronto twice. You played Dallas, uh, Milwaukee. There, there's Actually, you play Toronto three times. Geez, wow. All right, a lot of Toronto coming up. But... Anyway, I feel like we're in good hands right now moving forward. Uh, some of the things i have like to see lately is the proof play of Aaron Holiday. I mentioned it before. Guys, there is no benching Aaron Holiday. When, when Oladipo comes back, you can't just take away all of Aaron Holiday's minutes. He's earned those minutes. TJ McConnell has been it's like one of the icing on the cake. Him and Justin Holiday, I felt like, were those of the last two signings of the Pacers' offseason that let you know what this team was going to look like, and it added to the depth of this team. It shows just how deep this team is. Even when I mentioned before how that second quarter against Philly, when the Pacers just took off, it was the second unit. The second unit really came to play, and that's been one of our, I'm not going to say like our strength lately, because sometimes the bench has been a bit rough, but there's been games where the bench has really just done their job and handled business and against Philly, that was one of those games. Uh, we, we've seen Edmund Sumner kind of battle for minutes lately. T.J. Leaf has been pretty much non-existent. Uh, I think that those are two guys that are probably not going to be seeing much minutes moving forward. I think Edmund Sumner will see a bit of an uptick in minutes with Brogdon out. Jakar Sampson's kind of been the guy, the odd man out. I know he had the back injury. But I think moving forward, uh, the Pacers are going to be looking good. Looking good. That Eastern Conference, as I mentioned before, Uh, it's getting tight. It's getting real tight. Uh, right now the Pacers are, I believe, two and a half games out of second. Uh, that's actually nothing. So, yep, exact. To be exact, two and a half games out of second place, the Boston Celtics, a team that we already beat. Uh, right now the Pacers are one game behind Toronto, a team that the Pacers already beat as well. So, they play them three more times in the next few weeks, so that's going to be, uh, It's going to be a big determiner of if these teams face off in the playoffs. Who has potentially gets the home court advantage over there? So, right now, it looks like Milwaukee in the one seed at 30 and 5, they're going to be tough to catch. Boston, 23 and 8, they are in the two seed. Miami Heat, 24 and 9 at the three seed. Toronto Raptors, 23 and 11. And our Indiana Pacers, 22 and 12. They are tied with the Philadelphia 76ers, who are 23 and 13. So at this point, don't count Philly out and be missed the game. The Sixers have played more games than the Pacers, but it was still an encouraging win to see. Uh, I think as, uh, as we wrap this episode up, I got to say one little tidbit of information that came out a little while ago former two time Indiana Pacer, Darren Collison. Planning a potential comeback in February. Uh, The rumor is that the Clippers and the Lakers are the teams that he's looking at. I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, Collison was not under contract with the Pacers, so it's not like an Andrew Luck situation where the Pacers have his rights or anything. Hey, if Darren Collison wants to come back, good for him. I'm happy uh, for the time that he spent with the Pacers in two different stints. Uh, So, you know, he retired on his own So note, I believe he's only 32 years old, so clearly he missed the game of basketball. So for him, hey, while you still have it, it's now or never. You might as well make a comeback uh, so you leave no stone unturned. Plus, if you're going to go to the West, it doesn't affect us. All power to him. And uh, as we wrap up this episode on a uh, solemn note, David Stern, former commissioner of the NBA, passed away today. I believe he was 77 years old. He had been... Battling a brain tumor, I think the last two weeks had been really, really rough on him. But the NBA saw uh, itself expand to some of the heights that were unimaginable before David Stern got there. It really took the the game of basketball to the next level. So, uh, my condolences to the Stern family. Uh, Rest in peace, and we're appreciative of everything you've done. But hey, let's bring in 2020 on a brighter note. Guys, I appreciate all the support for Setting the Pace. I know Alex Golden does as well. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. On Instagram at PacersTalk. I'm on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. Alex is on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. Guys, we should appreciate everything. We would love a rating and review any way that we can improve the show overall. And, uh, hey, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. I am Mike Focci, and you're out of time but remember one thing let's
0: go pacers sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history relive their decade of dominance in the new showtime sports documentary the kings a four-part series premiering sunday june 6th only on showtime